This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 243, submission number 061, Life with Lucy. Life with Lucy aired on ABC from September 20th to November 15th of 1986 for 13 episodes, five of which did not air, plus a bonus episode that was never even produced. Wow. That's a first. Lucille Ball, comedian, actress, model, showgirl, business executive, perhaps a more suiting name to call Lucy, legend. She was, after all, one of the first women, if not the first woman, to inspire a generation of female comedians that endears to this day. And it seems from the 1950s to the 60s to the 70s, everything she touched turned to gold. And then the 1980s came. Still surviving in reruns, Lucille Ball was basically set for the rest of her life. The same, on the other hand, could not be said for ABC. Because think about the beginning of the decade. Oh, yeah, ABC was on fire in the beginning of the 80s. Yeah. In the middle of the 80s, well... Not so much. No. You have the rise of NBC on Thursday nights with their comedies. Yes. Including uh, a certain comeback vehicle for a certain comic actor who has gotten his chops early in television, but rose to prominence again in 1984 thanks to his wife and his four, later five, children growing up in Brooklyn. You all know what I'm talking about. Yes, we do. Yeah. We can't say his name! And even if we could, we're not going to. For reasons. 
He's a horrible human being. Yup. <laughs> yes. In case you don't know who we're talking about. Yeah. So, in the middle of the Hey, night, I want to listen to my Hannibal Burris CD. Do you want to listen to it? I want to listen to your Hannibal Burris CD. Well, not right now, because we're taping, so. Okay. So, basically, you have a case where everyone is looking to find an old Hollywood star and put them in new, more exciting predicaments. You have B. Arthur from Maud, now in The Golden Girls. Valerie Harper from Rhoda and the Mary Tyler Moore Show, now on Valerie. Featuring Jason Bateman from previous installment, It's Your Move. And by the way, the uh, new season of Ozark recently premiered on Netflix. Good watch. Good watch. What else is there? Uh, Oh, Howard Hessman from WKRP, now on Head of the Class. Michael Landon from Bonanza and Little House, now on Highway to Heaven. Featuring Victor French from previous entry, Carter Country, in that sweet-ass Oakland A's ad. Oh, that was a sweet So, yeah. If they're going to reboot another Hollywood star's career, ABC, in cooperation with Aaron Spelling and Douglas Kramer, thought... Why not go for the big one? And so they went to Lucille Ball with an idea. A comeback vehicle with her getting into zany adventures in these crazy times. Who's going to be with her? They haven't figured it out yet. Damned if we know. Let's just put it on the air. You know what? Let's sign all the paperwork and we'll figure everything out later. The money will come. Money will come, yes. So, Aaron Spelling and Douglas Kramer inked a deal with Lucille Ball and her second husband, Gary Morton. You know, because they were together and they did a dramatic turn with the stone pillow which was apparently a really big hit. Much bigger hit than her turn in MAME. She was actually MAME in MAME, if you remember that far back. Well, in 1974, as much as you can call that that far back. Lucille Ball, Gary Morton, Aaron Spelling, and Douglas Kramer all sides the paperwork, and Lucy was coming back to television. With one key stipulation, and this is going to become important later. Okay, what's the stipulation? Lucille Ball wanted complete creative control. Oh, no, 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 that's not going to work. Well, ABC at this point was desperate because of. I'm looking at the schedule right now. And what could I say about ABC except what they had? They had Perfect Strangers, MacGyver, Growing Pains. Growing Pains at that point. Yeah, second hotel. season. Hotel. Thursday was a bit of a dead zone, though. Oh, Thursday was like a. I remember back in the day. Then Thursday was 
beyond dead. But then again, do you really want to go against the four-headed monster at NBC? No. No. I mean, you know, props to uh, CBS. God bless them. They tried. But no, ABC on Thursday nights in the mid to late 80s, totally dead. Deader than disco. Thursday nights for ABC would be a problem up until Millionaire 99. That wasn't going to be a problem for Lucy because they've scheduled her for Saturday. I don't get it. Saturday night? Well, Saturday night really was not considered yet the worst night for television. Like now today, like in the fall, they completely give up on Saturday. They just give it to like whatever college football game is airing. Right. Or baseball. After a bit of conflagration, they came up with this premise. Lucille Ball plays Lucy Barker, a widowed grandmother who inherited her husband's half interest in a hardware store in South Pasadena, California, that is run by his business partner, Curtis McGibbon. His son is married to Lucy's daughter. And together they have two kids. So typical American family, but your matriarch and your patriarch are Hollywood legends who just so happens to have worked together a lot. Lucy, of course, was played by Lucille Ball. Curtis McGibbon was played by Gail Gordon, who was basically Lucy's go-to and was this close to playing Fred Mertz, but Gail Gordon backed off, and that paved the way for William Frawley, who by 1986 would have been long dead. Yes. We have the family in place. Now we just need to get the band back together, as it were. Because according to our good friend, uh, Pabson Genis at 13 Week Theater, who did a really good setup of the history of this show, it was originally due to be written by Larry Gelbart, who, you know, as the creative force behind the TV, the long run of the TV version of MASH. Oh, yes. But Lucy and Gary Morton did not approve of that choice. She wanted, because, you know, give Lucille Ball all the credit in the world for looking after her people, as it were. But she wanted... Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll to write for her because those two were basically her writers dating all the way back to My Favorite Husband, the radio show that would become I Love Lucy on television. And together with uh, Pugh and Carroll, Lucy made over 500 TV and radio episodes, plus the occasional TV special and film. She also called in a bunch of people who had worked with her on all of her television projects from I Love Lucy, the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour, the Lucy Show, and Here's Lucy, including a sound guy who was barely deaf. I mean, he was still working, and he still did a really good job. Yeah, he was working for WKRP, Square Pegs, and Newhart. I mean... Yeah, but one of Lucy's big Svengali moves was getting Gail Gordon to come out of retirement. 
he said he'd do it for Lucy on one condition. Oh, yeah. He wanted to get paid. He wanted the ching-ching. He wanted $100,000 an episode for 22 episodes, whether or not they were produced. He wanted to be paid for a full season. And he did. That's amazing. (laughs) So he got paid $2 million, essentially, to come out of retirement. Hey, it's good work if you can get it. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I'd love to have that. So, to put it lightly, Aaron Spelling, Douglas Kramer, Lucy, and ABC were going all in on this. They had all the hopes in the world that this show would succeed. It was one of those cases, and I believe if I can quote Chris Evans from Endgame, this is going to work because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. That's America's ass, people. Mm -hmm. And this is a case where, you know what? We're going to set the bar right here. If we could get a top 25 show on Saturday in 1986. Oh, it'll be worth it. It'll be so worth it. And if it can hold that position, that is an easy renewal. And we could just do whatever we want with it. Put it wherever. Put it on Thursday opposite that. No, no, do not put it on Thursday opposite that show. No, don't do that. We told you, don't know. It's a dead zone. Nope, nope, nope. Don't do that. So, before we go into said episode, let's talk about the cast, shall we? We already talked about Lucy and Curtis McGibbon, Lucille Ball and Gail Gordon. Again, chemistry defined, you know, just short of Lucy and Ricky or Lucy and Fred or, you know. Lucy and Ethel. Lucy and Ethel. Lucy and Viv from The Lucy Show. Now we go into the other characters of this family unit. Uh, we have Lucy's daughter, Margot, played by Anne Dusenberry, who was quite busy during that time, if I'm not mistaken. She was in Murder, She Wrote. She was in Future Entry, Magruder, and Loud. I put it on the schedule for next year because it's one of those shows that premiered after the Super Bowl that now for a tradition we just cover late in the year for some reason. Following the Davis Rules last precinct formula. Hey, you have a formula that works? Yeah, you got to keep it going. You got to keep it going. Yeah, but she also guest starred on uh, Revington Steel and um, Designing Women. Yep. Before all of that, she was mostly relegated to TV movies like uh, The Secret War of Jackie's Girls, Little Women, Desperate Women, and Elvis and the Beauty Queen. Oh, future entry Elvis and the Beauty Queen, starring (laughs) starring Don Johnson as Elvis and Stephanie Zimbalist in a pre-Remington Steel role. This was before Don Johnson actually sang for real on Heartbeat, which we covered in a previous installment. Heartbeat! I'm looking for a heartbeat! That's what this show needed, a heartbeat. Yep. 
Oh, no, it needed more than that. And playing the husband of Margot and the son of Curtis would be Larry Anderson. Yes, that Larry Anderson. Wait, um, the relief pitcher Larry Anderson? Wrong Larry Anderson. Oh, God, why do I keep doing that? This one was not traded uh, for Jeff Bagwell. Sorry. Oh, no. No, I'm not talking about the pitcher. I'm talking about Larry Anderson, known more for being the host of The New Truth or Consequences and a panelist on the test, and less for being in The Magician, Brothers and Sisters, and six episodes of Days of Our Lives, playing two different people. Oh, oh, Brothers and Sisters, former installment. Yeah, featuring Zipper! 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 And also, uh, he was also the judge on Law and Order True Crime, the Menendez Brothers. True story. Yes. And then we have the elder daughter, Becky McGibbon, played by Jenny Lewis. Yes, that Jenny Lewis. Yes, that Jenny Lewis. From such classics as (laughs) Troop Beverly Hills and The Wizard. And at one time she was performing on Conan in 2010. Oh, okay. I didn't realize she was on Conan. Oh, yeah. She was singing on Conan. Okay. Yeah, because I know she's a very uh, famous musician now. Yep. Oh, you know what she was also in that I really liked? What? A Very Murray Christmas. What the hell is that? It's a Bill Murray Christmas special. What? I didn't realize this was a thing. It was a thing. What was this on? I it, it, I want to say it was on Netflix. Very Murray, Chris, Murray oh, okay. Christmas. Yeah, that explains it. Okay. Yeah, because I think Paul Schaefer was involved in this. I remember this now. Yeah, A Very Murray Christmas 2015 on Netflix. And playing the younger child, the precocious little kid, as it were, Kevin McGibbon, is Philip Emilio. This is basically, aside from a few episodes of All My Children, this was basically his career because, sadly, no longer with us. Oh. He died in uh, 2005 at the age of 27. That sucks. Yeah. But he was basically a guy from a lot of commercials like Pepperidge Farm, All Laundry Detergent, Ford Motors, Jell-O Pudding Snacks, and Shake and Bake. Ooh, Shake and Bake. Nah, helped. But yeah, he gave up acting to pursue an interest in sports and a career in teaching. Well, that's admirable. And he was actually a teacher for two years before he died. And rounding out the cast was Leonard Stoner, the lovable oaf who worked at the hardware store that Curtis and Ted ran and Lucy tried to help wherever possible. Leonard Stoner. Can't get over that name. What a name. Leonard Stoner. Yeah. Uh, He was played by Donovan Scott. Who, oh my god, he was in a lot of things. 
even up to this day, um, he was in The Alaska Kid, Fairy Tale Theater. Oh, future entry, Shelly Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Oh, mm-hmm. he was in Back to the Future 3 as Marshall Strickland's deputy. Yep. Hey, Greg. What? He was also on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the Christmas episode. He played a Santa Claus in a mall. Oh, wait a minute. I think I know what this is. Is that the episode where Charlie goes up to the Santa Claus and says, did you F my mom? Yes. Yes. Well, I think it's the only Christmas episode of It's Always Sunny. But yes. Why would he do that? His mom's Miss Yvonne. Why would you do that? You don't do that to Miss Yvonne. No. No, you don't. Remember, Greg, this is the episode where Mac and Charlie, they went to the toy store. We're, we're looking for, I think, like a, a, a Wii or a 3DS, a video game system. Yeah. And, and they told off the salesperson because they didn't know who Von Hayes was. <laughs> um, yes, Von Hayes. Legendary former Philadelphia Philly Von Hayes. And Cleveland Indian. Yes. Yes. Not I think, a New York Yankee. I think Von Hayes uh, was uh, managing in the Atlantic League, like maybe like like twelve or thirteen years ago. I forget for whom, but yeah, I think my brother actually got his autograph when he was managing in the Atlantic League. I'll try to look that up. Lately, he's been making a name of himself playing Santa in uh, things like uh, Days of Our Lives, Life in Pieces. Oh, this is another typecasting thing. And I, I think he played a guy playing Santa in Superstore. Oh, he was so- in Death to Cupid, Klaus, Baby Daddy, The Santa Switch, Matchmaker Santa. Was he? He was didn't he play in- Santa in Eagleheart, though. Was he playing Santa in the movie Santa's Little Helper with the Miz? No, no, that's a he shame. Was not. I would have loved it if he shared a screen with the Miz. But oh, dread! Well, everybody would have. Hold on, time out. By the way, Von Hayes managed the Lancaster Bornstormers. So, just in case we have any Lancaster Bornstormers fans who were sending us angry emails about how we didn't mention he was the manager of the Lancaster Bornstormers, but go ahead, Chico. Cheap joke coming. He played Captain Squid in a movie called Uh Oh. Uh Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Cheap joke done. Oh, tell me that Susan St. James was in this movie. Yeah, she was not. But Richard Mall oh. was. Oh, Richard Mall was in the movie. Oh, that's We good. just talked about him a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should... in the Daryl Isaacs ads, because I, I thought that... Uh, uh, that Brian Bosworth was uh, him <laughs> in the Dr. Pepper ads. <laughs> Richard oh, speaking of... There we go. Oh, yeah. yeah nice. you never I have know, it at the ready. You never know when you might need it for the transfer portal. True. We have the premise. We have our cast in place. What is the kind of episode that beat all oncomers on one Saturday night in September? Let's find out, shall we? Oh, I can't wait. Okay. As we said, there are 13 episodes, five of which went unaired. And the thing of it is, ABC bought this episode with no pilot, no scripts, and if you ask me, 
no idea what the hell they were getting themselves into. No. But we're going to find out. Episode one. One good grandparent deserves another. Lucy moves in with her kids just as Curtis arrives from Hawaii. He is upset at what Lucy did to the store while he was gone. Lucy makes a mess when an industrial-sized fire extinguisher malfunctions. And Curtis moves in with the family. This was supposed to be the pilot. I mean, this is supposed to be expository. So right now we've established that Curtis has just returned home from his Hawaiian vacation for some reason, with the idea of moving in with his son again, for some reason. And he arrives to learn that his mother-in-law, Lucy, Curtis's business partner, is deciding to move in with her daughter again, for some reason. So, not only does Curtis have to work with Lucy, he has to live with her, too. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, this may be my feeble 2022 lizard brain talking, but there has to be a bit of uh, logic, coherence, a bit of backstory. It's like, why would Curtis want to move in with Ted and Margot? And also, why would Lucy want to move in with Ted and Margot? Because as it is, Ted and Margo have no problem raising the kids. Yeah, it's not like there's some difficulty or whatever. I mean, this isn't exactly full house. And I really had a totally different take when you mentioned this episode. Mm-hmm. The thing that caught my eye is Lucy makes a mess when an industrial-sized fire extinguisher malfunctions. Right. Boy, does that not sound like everything she did in I Love Lucy and she has that sad, pouty face when everything goes wrong? It sounds like stereotypical Lucy from like 35 years earlier. Well, consider who wrote it. Yeah, but I also I'm probably sure she she did like she used to do on Lucy when when she she made a boo-boo. I'm guessing maybe if it worked previously, and we all know that Lucy's a legend, it's gotta work again. Oh yeah. Well, well well, here's the thing. When it worked with Lucy, she was in her late 30s to mid 40s. Here she is now 75. Lucy's a physical comedian. She's not as spry as she was when she did I Love Lucy or The Lucy Show. Very true. Oh, uh, I will say we do have one person in here of interest playing mrs finley is ruth cobart the only thing of importance that i see for ruth cobart is she played iris frankel on future installment bob oh bob the one bob newhart show with either bob or newhart that was not good correct bob yeah the one where he's the cartoonist We'll talk about that in a few. Episode two. Lucy makes a hit with John Ritter. Gee, I wonder who's guest starring in this episode. Is it Richard Ball? No. Does Amy Yazbek know that Lucy's hitting on John Ritter? They weren't dating at the time yet, Mike. 
Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. John Ritter happens to be in town doing a play. He stops by the hardware store to buy some door handles for the set. Lucy tries to be helpful, but ends up being hurtful. She ends up inadvertently injuring his hands and his foot. Oh, no. Oh, no. Lucy, why are you doing that to John Ritter? Come on. Come on. That guy's the future of comedy. No, no, no. He's just come off threes a crowd. He doesn't need this. He'll have Hooper been like another year or two. Lucy then insists that Ritter stay at the house with them. But when John Ritter's co-star and leading lady drops out of the play, Lucy rushes to the aid by joining as John's co-star. Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. Some shenanigans are going to happen in the play. Ooh. Hey, hey, guys, guys. Hashtag hilarity ensues. Thank you. (laughs) But I should note that it's been well known that Lucy was a big fan of Three's Company. Like, she was a huge fan. She did like uh, hosted like one of the clip shows for Three's Company, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the, I, I remember seeing this. I think it was even a two part clip show, and it was, I believe, fourth season in. I think it was like eighty one. Oh wow! Yeah, she was a big fan of Three's Company. So this would be uh, her creative control manifesting itself again. Hey, can we get John Ritter for an episode? But you know what? I saw some of the clips of that episode. It's actually, like, really enjoyable. It is quite enjoyable. I mean, Lucy and John Ritter have incredible chemistry together. Uh, Also in this episode, uh, playing Mrs. Wilcox, I believe that's the co-star in question, would be one Ruth Buzzy. And if you don't know who Ruth Buzzy is, what podcast are you even listening to? Oh, but we have another name, too. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, we do. Yeah, playing Randy in this episode is Greg Malavy. That's right. Who yep. you might remember from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Uh, he was a semi regular on Celebrity Sweepstakes. I think that's the oh, first wow. Celebrity Sweepstakes mention we've had on this show. And actually, now that I think about it, we did mention Celebrity Sweepstakes in the Lingo 1987 episode because Ralph Andrews hosted Lingo, and produced Celebrity Sweepstakes. And playing the role... Oh, time. And- oh, I got something to say. I forgot. Let me mention okay. something about Greg Poivy. Did you also know that he played Corley's grandfather on iCarly? Yes! AKA is- the one that was produced by the one guy who we won't mention. The other one guy we won't mention. Oh, and oh, by the way, this is the actual uh, person who's playing the... Uh, co-star okay it is sally kemp who is uh, a mainstay on the abc after school specials the cbs school break specials oh, okay and dynasty and days of our lives oh yeah but ruth buzzy she's good in this episode too oh episode three. Oh boy episode three Lucy among the two by fours. Hey, wait a minute. The two by fours. Did Hacksaw Jim Duggan guest star on this episode? Oh! <laughs> I was going to get a clip of him doing the ho, but you guys, you guys sufficiently. Well, you can, you can, hey, I'm not stopping you. 
We're not stopping you, tough guy. Ho! Ho! We're not stopping you, tough guy. Ho! But yeah, uh, okay, so Lucy's old flame and a business prospect for Curtis comes by the store one day. After a date, Lucy decides she doesn't share the same feelings he has for her which causes Lucy to have to make a difficult decision about her future. I have to wonder who is playing the 2 by 4 in this episode. Oh, Ben Marshall. He's the, uh, he's the guy. And he's played by the one, the only, Peter Graves. Oh, yes, Peter Graves. Obviously, Mission Impossible. What else needs to be said about Peter Graves? Biography! Oh, that's Disco- right, biography! Discover yes. the world of science. I'm the only one who watched PBS primetime as a kid. Okay. But you know what? I'm going to be honest, Mike. Biography, it was all about Jack Perkins. Yeah. Fair enough, but I'm giving credit where credit's due. Oh, Peter Graves was good too, but he was no Jack Perkins. And fun fact, this is the only time on the series that Lucy wears a dress rather than slacks, a house coat, or a bathrobe. Oh. Okay, episode four. We got two good guest stars here. Yes, we do. The episode is Lucy Gets Her Wires Crossed. With competition from other hardware stores, Lucy gets Curtis booked on a local morning TV show as Mr. Fix-It. Lucy goes along as his helper and ends up super gluing herself to Curtis and the hosts. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That must be some powerful glue there. Hey, you know that glue strong stuff. You know that Stewie and Brian got stuck together with that type of stuff. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. And uh, playing the role of said talk show host is one Dick Godier. Oh, what needs to be said about him? We've talked about him in the past number of times. Yeah, go back to episode 69. Nice. When things were rotten. But, oh, playing the role of Patty in this episode. Ah, a very young Kelly Martin. That's right, from Life Goes On. Which, by the way, recently got announced, it is getting a sequel series from NBC. Ooh, I wonder if Corky's going to be in it. Oh, I hope Corky's in it. You know, Corky made that show, right? Oh, yeah. Corky was the Tony Shalhoub of Life Goes On. Everyone knows this. Some people will think it's the dog. No, it's Corky. Arnold the Wonder Dog? Or one of those things. Anyway. Now, wait a second. Kelly Martin was on this? Was this before she was on Card Sharks? Yeah, because yeah, or or it might have been around the time of course. Might have been the same. Might have been around the same time because Card Sharks debuted at the beginning of nineteen eighty six. When was the first Young People's Tournament? Probably would have been around Christmas. Okay, so she would have been on after this aired. Oh my! Okay, and who knows? She might have taped both of them concurrently. She might have been sharing a green room with Kelly Packard and another green room with Lucille Ball, for all we know. That's right, because Kelly Packard was on a Young People's Week. Yep. 
This, of course, was before Baywatch came calling. Obviously. Okay, episode five. Episode five. (laughs) I'm going to hell. (laughs) Lucy is a sex symbol. (laughs) While (laughs) You said she's a sex symbol? Sex. S-A-X. Okay, Lucy so is I, a sex I, symbol. Uh, all right, let, let me put my puke back in my system then. Oh, okay. Well, Mike, I can guarantee you it's not about Steve Sachs. Nope. Nor is it about Sexy Sax Man. You know the guy. Sexy Sax Man? Yeah, from who <laughs> did the Price is Right 94 theme, I know. While clearing out the basement, Lucy finds her old saxophone. She wants to teach her granddaughter to play, but Becky isn't very enthusiastic and doesn't know how to tell Lucy the truth. Oh. Oh, oh well. Yep. Uh, one of the uh, guest stars on this episode. Are you ready for this? Oh, what is it? Because I don't Playing see Playing the role Wiki. of Max. Okay, Max. A, a young Brandon Cole. Oh, yeah, because we have talked about Brandon Cole in the past in Thunder in Paradise. In fact, he was in the Thunder in Paradise CDI game. Yep. <laughs> but, of course, we can't talk about Brandon Cole without talking about Step by Step. I mean, come on. Well, hold on. That, but also he played Hobie Buchanan on Baywatch. Oh, that's yeah. right. He was on the uh, the first season, I think, the NBC season, right? Yep. Interesting thing about this episode, and you might like this, Greg. It was up against the pregame show of the 86 World Series, which earned more than double Life with Lucy's rating share. Oh, uh, yeah, because this is the night of game six of the 86 series. Yeah. October 25th. So this yeah. is the game where Buckner gets a ground ball from Mookie Wilson and bungles it between his legs. And you know the rest of the story. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And we'll be talking about something that was supposed to air after that game later this year. Yeah, unfortunately, the Mets went into extras and won that game. They won that game, right? Yes, it's like the yeah, one of the most famous game games six. in history. Yeah. yeah. They were down two runs with two out in the 10th. And Gary Carter, Kevin Mitchell, Ray Knight, and Mookie Wilson all come up to bat and lead the Mets to victory. Yeah, Mookie Wilson, baby. And one of my favorite stories of that game was... Kevin Mitchell was making plane reservations <laughs> during the 10th inning, and they had to call him up to pinch hit, and it, he needed to find, like, an, a good pair of pants because he wasn't wearing any pants, but he mm-hmm. was making the call. In that brief period that Kevin Mitchell was with the Mets. Yeah, because he would have been traded to, what, the Padres in 87 for Kevin McReynolds? Sounds right. Episode 6. Lucy makes Curtis bite the dust. That's spelled B-Y-T-E, the dust. Lucy and Curtis buy a computer to help organize the books at the shop. When she uses it to order some unreturnable merchandise, Lucy tries to get the bank to stop the check from arriving at the bank and accidentally informs them that Curtis has died. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, and uh, in the role of Stanley Bigelow, one Dave Madden. Ruben Kincaid from the Partridge family. Ruben Kincaid, Mm -hmm. yes. Like, how do you... Well, this would be, like, in the pre-infancy of the internet, so... 
well, Lucy had that power. She wanted Reuben Kincaid, and so ABC was like, okay, here's Reuben Kincaid. Episode 7. Legal Eagle. <laughs> no, Lucy Legal Beagle. No, I have Lucy Legal Eagle. It's Lucy Legal Beagle on Wiki, so... Whatever. Legal Eagle. Legal Beagle. Who cares? At a yard sale, Kevin's favorite teddy bear is accidentally sold. Oh my god! How does that happen? Yeah. When Lucy offers $50 reward for its return, the woman who bought the bear asked for 500 so Lucy takes her to small claims court. Where's Judge Wapner when we need him for this? Okay, do we have any guest stars? Oh, okay, guest stars. yes. Oh, oh yes, we so do. Guest stars. Oh, Mike. yeah. Uh, we'll start off with a name we just talked about last week, I believe, playing Mrs. Loomis. Dina Dietrich. Yes. It's not nice to fool with Mother Nature. Okay, I think we're up to episode eight. This would be the last aired episode, I believe. Yeah, the last aired episode. And the thing of it is, and we'll get into this in a moment, but here's the episode, Mother of the Bride. When Ted and Marco decide to renew their wedding vows, Lucy's sister, Audrey, drops by for a visit and starts to take over the entire event. Okay, so playing Lucy's sister. Now, this is going to be momentous here. Playing the sister, Audrey Meadows. And here's the rationale behind that. Okay. The rationale behind that is that she is going to play the role of Vivian Vance. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Because like William Frawley before her, Vivian Vance would be long since dead. And this was the only one of the Lucy series that didn't have Vivian Vance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the plan was Audrey was going to be the partner of Lucy. And that lasted one aired episode. That lasted one aired episode. And it's like, okay, this is about as good as it's going to get. So, More or less, yeah. Yep. Well, we do have uh, another known entity here. Okay. Playing the minister, Jim Hackett. He was the announcer on Wipeout, the Peter Tamarkin show. The Peter Tamarkin Wipeout. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, not, not the one with the invisible guy. The, 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 I don't think we've ever made a Wipeout reference till now. So the Wipeout 88. Not that wipeout, wipeout, the other Wipeout. The Wipeout 88 one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the one with the Invisible Man, but yeah. Hey, Paramount owns that. Hey, Paramount, mm-hmm. put Wipeout 88 on Paramount Plus. I guarantee you get one subscription. I mean, you may have to change the name or something, but... Eh. You tried. I tried. So after this episode, ABC looks at the ratings and says... You know what? Let's cut our losses, buy out Lucy's contract, and cancel the show. And so that is exactly what they did. 
The fact that it got half the ratings as the pregame show for Game 6 of the World Series also did not help. No. And that left five episodes already produced to uh, be shelved. Just sit on the shelf until, God, when? 2019, because this got released by Viacom CBS on DVD. So yeah, there is a Life with Lucy, the complete series that was released on October 8th, 2019, which was the first time that the unaired episodes were widely seen. I'm sure, like, I believe, like, some tapes of the unaired episodes, like, circulated in some tape trading circles, but this was the first time they officially got released. All right, so let's continue with episode nine. All right, episode nine. Lucy and the Guard Goose. Oh, jeez. After M&B hardware is robbed, Lucy rents a guard goose to protect the store. When Curtis accidentally injures the goose, Lucy takes it home to nurse the feisty bird back to health. I hope it survived, otherwise its goose is cooked. Good night, everybody. A guard goose. But, oh, playing the role of Charlie Zellman is Wu Cattell, who was best known for playing Amazing Larry in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Episode 10. Lucy and Curtis are up a tree. Curtis is building a tree ass for Kevin, and Lucy is buying Becky fancy new clothes. Ted and Margot come to the conclusion that their parents are spoiling the kids. When Kevin overhears his grandparents' solution is to move out, he removes the ladder to the treehouse, stranding them in a rainstorm. It's basically uh, trapped in a small environment. The trope, the series, the episode. Episode 11. Lucy's Green Thumb. Lucy's breakfast energy drink is so unpalatable that the entire family dump it into a potted plant. When they come home, the plant has tripled in size. Realizing that Lucy may have invented a new miracle fertilizer, the pressure is on for her to recreate the concoction. But when Lucy can't recall the recipe, Curtis's dreams of fame and fortune wilt. So I'm willing to, I'm wait, willing this, to guess isn't this the plot of Little Shop of Horrors? Thank you, Greg! I was, yeah, I was about to say, isn't this Little Shop of Horrors meets the Vitamin and Benjamin episode of I Love Lucy? It does sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Where's Rick Moranis when you need him? Well, this was 86, so he would have probably been doing Little Shop of Horrors. Yes! I guarantee you this episode was probably timely. Very timely, if you ask me. And playing the role... Okay, this is not a known entity outside of perhaps the three of us and maybe our uh, collection of listeners... But playing the role of a photographer is actually somebody who worked as one of the assistants to the producers on this show and is actually a good friend of Mike and mine. Oh, Stu Showstack. I was doing research for this episode and I looked at the credits and I looked at the cast list and I look at Mike and said, what were you going to tell me that Stu Showstack worked on this show? And I told him, 
I knew that, but I wanted to mention it during the show. And if you don't know who Stu Showstack is, he runs Showcase Video, and he has his own weekly show, Stu's show, and his own uh, channel on uh, Roku, among other places, streaming channel, which is like absolutely humongous, uh, loaded with lots of interviews and, and shows from the past, talking 50s and 60s primarily. Definitely a, a friend of the show, or at, least, at the very least, a friend of myself and, and Chico's. Mm-hmm. And Stu, if you're listening, hi. Hey, Stu. Hi. Episode 12. Breaking up is hard to do. Curtis wants to retire, so he sells his half of the store to Lucy. Oh, this is going to be fun. Lucy's extravagant spending threatens the store with bankruptcy while Curtis gets bored with making birdhouses at home. When Lucy interviews prospective new partners, Curtis swallows his pride and asks her to take him back again. Yeah, because why would you want to build birdhouses? Well, I mean, if you're near Lucy's age at this point, 75, you know, it's a relaxing hobby. Yeah, do, do a little bit of you know woodwork, uh, maybe some whittling, use, use some tools around the house. Yeah, it's good to keep yourself occupied at that age. All yep. right. We have a known entity in this episode. Playing Mr. Lawrence Mulgrew is Eddie Barth, who would be known for as Morty Fleckman, Mike, on Night Court. Oh. Now, which episode? Uh... Two episodes to sir with ah oh, what the heck love and the system works okay and he was also uh, on seven episodes of Shaft and I believe he played Nigel and Alan in Babe Pig of the City and Angelo in Fame and Frank the Pug on Men in Black the series that's pretty good Frank the Pug on Men in Black the series. Sadly, did not play him in the actual movie. Oh, yeah. And also, sadly, no longer with us. Oh. And here is the final episode. Well, not, nope, wrong. I'm sorry. The final episode produced. Yes. Because there is actually one more episode after this. World's Greatest Grandma. Becky signs up Lucy for her school's grandma talent contest. Unfortunately, Lucy doesn't sing, dance, tell jokes, or do magic. So she decides to do a dramatic recitation so as not to disappoint her grandchildren. You're asking Lucy not to tell a joke. Think about that for a second. Think long and hard about that. You're asking Lucy, Lucille Ball, not to tell a joke. Why? Oh, and interesting thing, we have a couple of talented seniors in this episode. The Dixie Bells and Peggy Gilbert make appearances as themselves. The Dixie Bells, by the way, they are very talented. They uh, can sing when the Saints go marching in. And they actually were a musical guest on an episode of The Tonight Show in 1981. And Peggy Gilbert was actually also singing with the band. 
Also of note, Kelly Martin makes a return appearance on this episode. One more name, not very well known, but I'm going to throw it out there because this one's for Greg. Playing the principal in this episode is Phyllis Applegate. Okay. She was on an episode of Wings. What? She played a judge in the episode, Is That a Subpoena in Your Pocket? And I'm pretty sure that aired on the former Wings channel on Pluto TV. Yeah, R.I.P. Because I think they aired the first three seasons. Yeah, they aired the first three seasons. R.I.P. Wings channel. But, okay. Guys, you brought up Wings. And, you know, I got to say it. Okay, go ahead and say it. I got to say it. Go ahead and say it. (laughs) I don't think I've ever told this in the 242 episodes of this podcast. But I'm going to say it right now. You love Wings, don't you? How would you know I was going to say that? Wait, wait, wait. I I thought Greg was going to say he wanted to go see Rent. Oh, (laughs) did you know I wanted to see Rent? You want to see Rent? I want to see Rent. I want to see Rent. Isn't that great? We could just interchange Wings jokes. This is why I love us. Anyway, so yeah, that is the show. And again, we tell you what went wrong, except, well. Well, they were going to produce a Christmas episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Sorry. Episode 14. Twas the. the Light before Christmas. How did this episode never get produced? This sounds like this would have been great. Probably because it was canceled before it was produced. Yeah, it was, probably. The family goes to a friend's cabin in Colorado, but become stranded on the plane in Denver and discover that Christmas is more than presents, but about spending time with your family. Aww. Aww. Well, thankfully, a script does exist for this episode. So, if you want to reenact this episode, wait a minute. If the script exists somewhere online, we should, like, reenact it for Christmas. How would you even? I could find a way. We could do, like, a live table read. Like, a live Zoom table read of the episode if we ever find the script of this. Okay, so that was the series. We tell you how this went wrong except well duh I mean it was on Saturday I mean people watched people watched the show and were just absolutely enthralled with everything that was going on but the audience just it dipped it's like okay we see it she's old She's doing this wacky stuff. Okay, whatever. Because wasn't this on opposite the facts of life? Yes, it was on opposite the facts of life on NBC. And downtown? Oh, downtown with Michael Nury. Yes, on CBS. Mm -hmm. And down and out in Beverly Hills on Fox. Because Fox would have just been starting up. It was never going to uh, try and get the facts of life knocked off the air. It was just not going to happen. The facts of life is too well established. Yeah, even though it's in its, like, dying days, it's still the facts of life. Mm-hmm. And it would have had George Clooney at this time, wouldn't it? George Clooney, yeah. Mackenzie Aston, yeah. Yeah, when uh, Charlotte Ray opened that store. 
Yeah. It was Chloris Leachman. Oh, yeah. How could we have forgotten Chloris? Yeah. But that's pretty much all it was. Oh, hey, guys. I think the store name you're looking for is Edna's Edibles. Oh, thank okay. You. Edna's, Edna's Edibles. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you, Google. But most of the problems stemmed from the fact that this show was trying to be I Love Lucy, but with 80s guts. I mean, you could tell that this was not so much made with the audience in mind, but made with Lucy in mind. Facts of life aside, life with Lucy on a Saturday, facts of life aside, would not work in 1986. I mean, yes, Lucille Ball on television again would be an amazing sight to behold. But it seems that television changed, the audience changed, the business changed. The only thing that didn't change was Lucy. And I don't think she could have dealt with that because after this show was canceled, she spent because uh, this was her last regular TV role. If I recall, Chico, didn't Lucy go on the Fox Late Show with Joan Rivers? Because that would have just started in 86. She went on to discuss the negative reviews of the show. Yeah, she took that personally. Not to quote the Michael Jordan meme, but she took that personally. Yeah. Understandable, and I'm looking at the ratings, and the ratings paint a very clear picture. The premiere episode won its time slot and was ranked 23rd for the week. So obviously they're expecting something if it won its time slot. And 23rd is not bad, especially for a a Saturday night TV show. The next week, 56th. Oh. oh, the week after that, 66th. Oh. oh, and it even got down into the 70s. Oh. And there weren't many more than 70 shows on uh, any given week in 1986 in fall of 86. No, nope. So, yeah, the American public made it known that Lucy maybe should have stuck in the 50s or 60s. Not Maybe. in the ratings, talking about the year. But yeah, just, just taking a look. Uh, November, looks like the first week of November, 74th. Oh my God. Wow. 74th, and that's out of 79 shows. Two of the shows that, well, one was tied with it, and one was slightly below it, were Decision 86 election shows. And then actually at 77, third from the bottom, was the show that followed Life with Lucy, the Ellen Burstyn show. Oh, wow. I forgot Ellen Burstyn had her own sitcom. Yeah, um, that was just, uh, whew. So yeah, I mean, your little reaction there, whew or whatever, I mean, that describes it perfectly. The American public gave it a chance, finished 23rd, but then said, Thank you. And the ratings just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. And as much as uh, Lucille Ball took that personally, in retrospect, Aaron Spelling 
also took that personally. Uh, he had an interview with the Archive of American Television where he went on record and he said he blames himself for allowing Lucille Ball to do the same show that she's always done. That at her age, the audience were more worried for her safety than the audience laughing at her pratfalls. And he said that it was her fault for allowing full creative control because Ball had offered to do something different if he thought that was best. But Aaron felt her ideas were more likely to succeed. But then again, this is a man who has not produced sitcoms as much as he's produced dramas. So there you go. And again, we said that this was one of the last projects, the last televised project that uh, Lucille Ball got into. In fact, three years later, after being a presenter at the Academy Awards with Bob Hope, she died at the age of 79, it was? 78. She died in 89. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Slight correction. Lucy died at age 77 in 1989. But you know what? Despite how this show went, you know what? It's been, what, almost 40 years since this show? Well, about 35, 36 years since this show. I think Lucille Ball's reputation has not taken a hit in the years since. Because people still watch I Love Lucy reruns, and it's still beloved, and she's still like one of the most beloved sitcom stars ever. So, yes, and it's like people talk about her status as one of television's leading ladies to this day. Because if you remember, uh, last year they did the uh, movie for uh, Amazon Prime, being the Ricardos from Aaron Sorkin. And also, Ben Mankiewicz of TCM released um, on his podcast series of The Plot Thickens. One of the latest seasons he did is about Lucille Ball's career. So it's a very good listen if you get to listen to it. So, Indeed it is. And if you want to watch All of Life with Lucy... It's on DVD. A, it is on DVD by uh, CBS Paramount. Or if you are of that sort, you can find all 13 episodes on the YouTubes. But what can we say about Life with Lucy? Oh, I can tell you what we can say about Life with Lucy. It's time for eBay Prices Right! What? Oh, God. You heard me. It's time for eBay Prices Right. Well, guys, you mentioned earlier about the script for the unproduced episode existing. Yes. Yes. I don't have that episode. Oh. I I have the script or a script for the Lucy is a sex symbol episode. Oh, God. This is the the final draft. It's got a date of August 20th, 1986 on it. Episode L-005. 
looking for the buy it now price, just in dollars, not dollars and cents. And I will start with Greg. Okay. And condition is, I would say, near immaculate. I don't see any folds or tears or rips or stains. It is in beautiful shape. I will go $399. All righty, Chico. 50 bucks. Ooh, undercutting him. The actual price of this script, the buy it now price, Two hundred dollars. Oh, I was off by half. Fifty percent. So, oh well. Oh, I was hoping when I did this search, it was the missing episode or the unproduced episode. But no, this is the uh, sex symbol episode. Hey, everyone! If that script is ever online, we need to start a fund. We need to start a GoFundMe have enough money so we can buy that script so we can reenact it for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> it would be a, our Christmas gift to everybody. It would be. But you know what? Life of Lucy, 1986. We had a television legend come back and the television public said, nope! And in the end, Life of Lucy became just another thing on TV. But it did give us Jenny Lewis. And Larry Anderson for like eight weeks. But you know what else you can do while you watch the Life of Lucy DVD? You can go to our website. It was a thing on TV.com. We can listen to the 242 episodes prior to this one. We got all sorts of fun stuff. Minisodes, live shows, director's cuts. And, oh, hey, Chico. Yeah, we just released on the Podbean feed the director's cut of the bicentennial minute. And speaking of Lucy, Lucy is in a segment in the bicentennial minute. And I gotta say, Chico, you did one hell of a Lucy impression. I tried. It was fantastic. It was like she was right in the room. And if anybody from the estate of Lucille Ball is listening. I'm really sorry. Mike, do you agree it was like Lucy was in the room when he did it? I I thought she came back from the dead. See, Mike agrees. Hey, Whammy, are you here? Hey. Guess not. Not here. Oh, hey, Whammy, would you agree that Chico's Lucille Ball impression was impressive? Impeccable. Impeccable. That's a great Whammy. Okay. Hey. Whammy, can you believe Gail Gordon made $2 million on this show? And I thought I got a lot of money for doing very little work. <laughs> okay, Whammy, go back to wherever you were going. <laughs> well, how could we possibly top life with Lucy? How about a follow-up to a show that we did way back of the before time? Yes, we covered one season of one show that we thoroughly enjoyed and that apparently the folks at Spike thoroughly enjoyed to the point where they ordered another season. The question now becomes, how do you do the same joke twice? And what happens when one person becomes the schmo who knew too much? Uh oh. Uh oh. We'll find out next time, right here 
on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you next time. Wow! Uh, dear Dave, just wondering what late show announcer Alan Calter does on his days off. Uh, thanks, Chris Alt, uh, Bryant, Arkansas. Uh, this is a, a question about Alan Calter, our announcer. And, you know, the, the nice thing about the announcers, real announcers, when you get the re real deal, they're like multifaceted. They're like triple threats. They get the great voice, and they know how to read copy, and they're fantastic. And he's the best on television when it comes to running this show. and opening. But they also... They, they also, usually, if you get a really good announcer, he's also a really good actor. And Alan joined, uh, like, up in his uh, neighborhood the community. They have a little uh, actor theater workshop up there. And they, they put together, like, a little project and then videotaped it. And with Alan uh, starring, and I think they're recreating a classic scene from the old I Love Lucy. <laughs> so Alan, when he saw the letter, he said, do you mind? And I said, absolutely. So here now, I'll give you an idea of what Alan does in his spare time. Roll it. Alan is Lucy is kissing Ethel in this part. Just use your imagination, folks. I don't get that. I don't think we needed that. Uh, uh.